The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to The Power to Create Yourself with Ross Rameen. If you or someone you are close to is dealing with addiction, there are so many programs out there that can help you. But how do you gauge which ones are going to work the best for you? Some are expensive, some deal with some of the issues, but don't get to the heart of the matter. Others treat the problem at a basic level, but don't determine ultimate success. Join us now for an hour that sets out to be truly groundbreaking and will help you discover how to find the best program for your addiction problem. Now, here is Ross Rameen. Hi, welcome to the show. Um, This is Ross Rameen. We're coming to you from the Rebos Treatment Center in Los Angeles, California. Um, Thanks so much for joining us today. Um, We have a wonderful guest today. Um, This is Dr. Arthur uh, Sierra McCauley. He is... He's got quite a list of who he is. Um, he's a clinical psychologist. Um, he was on the faculty of the Harvard Medical School. Uh, he has been seen and lectured in multiple places across the country and multiple um, news organizations. You've um, seen him on. His website is balanceyoursuccess.com. Uh, doctor, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Thanks very much, Ross. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. Doctor, I've been going through all your information um, for the last few days, and it's it's so common sense of what's going on here. You have a new book out now. It's called the the Stress Solution, correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I was just going through it, and how you put, you know, um, empathetic, you know, CBT, which is uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, people in the industry will know it as a lot of treatment centers, a lot of places use it. Um, they just yeah. refer to it as CBT. Um, yeah. And how, what goes, uh, you know, just reading over what your what your new book is about, and a lot of your, your you have multiple books out. I mean, yeah. really, I've yeah. been on Amazon seeing that you are, um, you're quite the author. Um, you definitely know your stuff. And I just thought it was interesting on how um, you described it, like life these days. People work too much. They're sleeping too little. Uh, you had said one thing on your website that's saying feeling disconnected from your partner or family. Yeah. And I was almost crossing out, not feeling, but actually are disconnected. Yeah. 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 Um, that's what I deal with on a day, daily basis. It's not people feeling disconnected. They literally are on a different planet from yeah. the person they sleep with every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I even said that to my wife yesterday when I came home. I said, um, I sleep next to you every day and I love you to pieces, but I'm not, I, I am, I, I need to be more connected to you. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, you know, living with somebody doesn't mean you love them. Um, you have to show that. Yeah. Um, Run me down your new book that you have out, um, The Stress Solution. Uh, just give us a little gist of what it's about and what your goal sure. was with this sure. book as opposed to your others. Well, I mean, this book, Ross, is really written about stress. And, you know, as, as you know, people in early recovery have great stress and obviously when they're using as well. But people in general in the population are very stressed now. And we even know that even more so since the presidential race of the last six months, stress increased in America. But 75% of Americans say that they experience stress uh, emotionally or physically every day. And 50% of Americans say they wake up due to stress every night. And 75% of visits to primary care physicians in the last year were due to stress caused by stress. So obviously, that's one of the key reasons I I decided to write a book on stress, because I think whether people are in recovery or they're suffering from depression or they're not even suffering from either one of those difficulties, the the, the society as a whole is highly stressed. So I, I combine this new combination of the power of empathy, brain science, and cognitive behavioral therapy to provide people with a comprehensive self-help tool to lessen stress and balance. Empathy calms the emotional brain so we can experience and we can perceive accurately and thoughtfully. And being able to perceive accurately is crucial to reducing stress 
as old bias thinking based on early conditioning distorts reality and causes unnecessary tension. And then knowledge regarding brain chemistry allows us to produce our own natural chemicals that create calm, focused energies to do and be the best we can be. So, you know, and CBT corrects distorted thinking, basically, you know, distorted ways that we learn how to perceive early in life, like generalizing, black and white thinking, catastrophizing, mind reading, magnifying, and so forth. And a lot of the ways we, we, we grow up are we're taught to perceive because perception is really the key to reducing stress because when we perceive accurately and empathy helps us, as I mentioned, it helps us to slow down emotion to a manageable degree so that we can use the thinking part of the brain rather than the emotional part of the brain to perceive accurately. And when we perceive accurately, we don't exaggerate, we don't magnify, we don't, ex- we don't uh, go to extremes, and we have much less stress in our lives. What? So I combine these three components... Um, because I think it's the best of, of all three worlds to combine the three together. Well, let me, you know, I want to get into what empathy is and I want to get into, you know, you know, the difference between empathy and sympathy. Yep. But I, I just, to, you know, it's just as a guy who is, you know, I've started my own company. I've been, I've been, I've been, I've been my own boss for five years. I grew up in a family um, where my dad, my grandfather, both my grandfathers were their own bosses. When we think of stress, like one of the things I, you know, I, I go see my counselor, you know, in, in my off time because I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a person in recovery. I've got nine and a half years of sobriety, and I always tell my clients. Hey, I'm nine and a half years in so, uh, being sober, and I still do my aftercare. I still do this yep. stuff. And my therapist is always telling me, he's like, Ross, you are too stressed. You are running way too hot. And mm-hmm. with that stress, it is totally distorting your vision. It's distorting your vision. It's distorting right. your outlook and how you perceive what yep. information is given to you. And I constantly tell him, I'm like, well, what do you want me to do? I have an enormous company that's running right now. I've got 40 employees. We're, you know, arguably the largest outpatient program in Los Angeles. It to me, it seems like it's par for the course. I should be absolutely crushed at the end of the day for what I did during the day. And I, you know, I remember that my dad died when I was very young, you know, 10 or 12, but I remember he was running real hot. And I can't imagine that his parents and my mom's parents weren't running hot. Is yeah. this, are we just, I mean, as a, is it, how to say it, are we just prone to self-sabotage more now, back, way back 50 years ago, you know, in our grandparents' ages, um, or is this, I mean, I, I don't know how really how to ask it, but it just seems like this is something that has been around forever. It's like, I don't think we're more stressed now than we ever were, or are we? Well, I, I think we are more stressed than we were than we have been in the past. I mean, the world today, Ross, as you know, is much faster. It was much slower in our parents' time, and the society has changed. You know, empathy has decreased forty percent in the last ten years. Narcissism and self-absorption are up. Prejudice is up. Trust in other people is down. Ten years ago, Americans said they had five to six close friends. Today, they have say they have one to two. So we're moving very fast, and as you said earlier, we work too much, sleep too little, love with half a heart, and then we wonder why we're unhappy and unhealthy. And the other important thing is that when we're stressed, we produce the stress hormone cortisol, which has many, many negative effects if it's it's produced on a regular basis. You know, when we release that hormone, it it causes repetitive negative thinking. It produces uh, a high level of cortisol, produces... Uh, negative thinking, as I said, it causes weight gain, inflammation, hair loss, breaks down muscle tissue, causes flabbiness, depression, anxiety. It causes memory loss. It actually kills neurons in the memory center of the brain. So, And it also throws off blood sugar levels, which enlarges fat cells and, and adds to our desire for sugary sweet substances. And you know from your experience, um, the desire for sugar when people are in recovery is immense. I mean, if you go to Dunkin' Donuts <laughs> after an AA meeting, you see, I used to take my students there and I said, I could tell the people who just came from a meeting because they say, can I have a large coffee with extra, extra sugar? I mean, it's like, it's having some sugar with your coffee, you know, uh, coffee. And 
because, you know, alcohol is the simplest sugar. But when cortisol is produced, that's what it does. It, it, it creates a craving for sugar. But it also, it also breaks down muscle tissue, causes inflammation, and it interferes with sleep. So it has many negative consequences. And people hardly even realize that that's what they're doing to their body. They're actually changing their brain by misperceiving and, and causing the stress reaction to ensue. And it's, you know, I go through my day, I do a lot every morning. I do a meditation every morning. I, it, I finally got into this. I do about 15, 20 minutes a day. And to break, basically start my day off with, you know, just calmness. Um, I mean, I can wake up in a total panic. Um, just a you know a lot of work stuff going on, and I know a lot of my clients deal with, it and just people in general. Um, it's I'm I'm nobody special. Uh, I'm not, you know, my situation is not unique by any means, um, especially in this day in life. But what? How do you? How does somebody maintain like no stress or lower levels of stress when it's kind of? I would think that all of us in this society need to almost get on the same page for this because it's, I mean, I can get, I can leave my house totally blissful in the morning, just absolutely seeing bluebirds and butterflies and positive thinking, positive thoughts, you know, the whole, the whole bit. And you get to a traffic light, somebody's, you know, sticking their arm out the window, giving you, you know, the, you know, giving you the finger, so to say, um, you know, we are so moved by what people think, what people do to us, what billboards say. I mean, society is just, is negative in general. I mean, how do we, how do we maintain focus? I mean, it takes, it doesn't surprise me that we're so addicted to drugs. I mean, we go to drugs for these, every single thing that you've laid out is why you go see a psychiatrist. Um, well, to, I, mean, you know, I mean, you know, addictions, as, as I've, I've, I've always taught, addictions are going down a side road, getting lost on the way to pursuing happiness. And it's because we, we don't know how to slow down and produce happiness. And the key to what you're asking is developing the capacity for empathy. Wait, empathy, say that again, though, the addiction part. Say that one more time. Addictions really are go- going down a side road on the way to pursuing happiness. When you don't know how to make yourself happy naturally, that's why I have a chapter in the book called The Soul's Pharmacy, which teaches people how to change their own brain chemistry. When you don't know how to do that, when you didn't learn that early in life, you go down a side road. So all of a sudden you're drinking or you're using a particular drug and you're finally happy. You finally found the missing link. We all want to be happy. Our brains are oriented that way. But addictions are going down a side road. We got lost on the way to the pursuit of happiness because we didn't know how to make ourselves happy. Look, if you grew up in a home where your parents are having Budweiser for breakfast, as one of my clients who left this morning, um, and he's, in, he's been in recovery for 11 years now, I mean, he said, you know, I thought that's the way you felt good. I didn't know any other way to feel good. Now he walks every day. I have a chapter in the book on self-care with the latest exercise, uh, exercise routines, interval training. I have a, a piece on nutrition and, you know, how to eat and so forth. And, you know, and also the sleep piece, but empathy is the key, key to slowing yourself down enough so that you can follow a healthy lifestyle and pursue happiness on a direct line, not an indirect way. Addictions are all indirect. They're all going down a side road instead of staying on the main course on the path to happiness, but you have to know how to get there. Empathy slows us down. And in, in, in terms of your day, like you're going through your day and you're focused different things are disturbing you or a billboard of 17 phone calls or 30 emails to return. We're in a world where that happens all the time. But if you're a quick reactor, you produce cortisol. If you react slowly and thoughtfully and ascertain the facts, because empathy is very fact-oriented, you know, you asked earlier, what is empathy? Empathy is the capacity to understand and respond to the unique experiences of another human being. It's seeing beyond the surface into the heart and soul of other people so that we don't take the surface reactions so seriously. We, we look into the intentions of people. So somebody is frowning at us and we think they're angry and then we find out later they have a headache. You know, because we're, we assume things very quickly. You know, when, when we've had past disappointments or emotional pain, we're programmed for our brains to jump to conclusions very quickly when we sense a similar circumstance to the past. But we have to learn to not put old faces on new faces. 
not transfer what happened to us earlier in life into the present moment. And that's what empathy, when you, when you train in empathy, particularly empathic listening, it slows down your reaction so that you can hear and see more of what the truth is. It's very truth-oriented. And the fascinating thing about empathy is when you give and receive empathy in a human interaction, what does it do? It produces the near-miracle neurotransmitter, oxytocin, which is what women produce when they're pregnant. What does that hormone do? It reduces anxiety and cortisol levels. It helps you live longer. It aids in recovery from illness. It promotes a sense of calm and well-being. It increases empathy. It protects, protects against heart disease. And it reduces craving for addictive substances, which is very, very important for anybody with addictive difficulties. So when you have empathy, when you're giving and receiving empathy and really understanding the other person and truly listening, which is why I have a chapter on empathic listening in the book, it creates trust and it creates a feeling of security and and people are open to be vulnerable and communicate with each other in very honest ways, but it changes your brain. A simple way of interacting with another person changes your brain for the better and it reduces the craving for addictive substances and it makes you feel very calm inside. It, It causes focused energy, which is very different than the stress hormone. Yeah, no, you know, let's take a quick break, real quick. I want to get more into this empathy. I, I got a lot. I got a lot more questions on this, um, on the way that we self sabotage ourselves. I thought the part of when when you look at somebody and they have a headache and you're taking it almost personally uh, yeah. because you don't know what's really going on with them. You we we put it on ourselves automatically. I thought that was interesting. Um, let me take a quick break right now. Let's get back into this because I want to. I want to really get into it in, um, in our next segment. Um, we're listening to The Power to Create Yourself. I'm Ross Ramin. Um, we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Getting sober isn't just about not drinking and not doing drugs. It's a way of life. At Rebos, we have a team of talented professionals, each with their own clear and distinct message to walk clients from the darkest point in their lives out into the light. Rebos offers a carefully curated selection of groups and workshops in addition to a minimum of six individual sessions per week. At Rebos, we believe there are no cookie-cutter clients, and we meet every individual where they are at today. It's not a Rebos program. It's your program. Our team wants to help as many people as possible become who they want to be. And if you don't know who you want to be, we'll help you. Visit Rebostreatment.com to learn more about the Rebos Treatment Center. That's R-E-B-O-S Treatment.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to The Power to Create Yourself with Ross Ramin. To find out more about Ross and the program, visit the Rebos Treatment Center website at rebostreatment.com. Now, back to The Power to Create Yourself. Hi, welcome back to the show. Uh, we're coming to you from the Rebos Treatment Center in Los Angeles, California. Uh, we are very lucky uh, to be um, with uh, Dr. Um, Arthur uh, McCauley today. He has a new book out called The Stress Solution. You can find it on Amazon. His website is called TheBalanceYourSuccess.com. Doctor, thanks for coming back with us. In our, My in our pleasure. Last segment, yeah, before we went to break, you had said something that just sent shivers down my spine. And, I mean, if anything we get out of this conversation today for our listeners is – we have, and I, and I speak for myself, I'm totally guilty of this at times, and I've dealt with this, you know, this week um, with certain employees that I have, and, and I say this in all due respect to them, um, but we as a society are always, we always take things so 
personally. No matter what happens, we constantly think that somebody else's reaction to us is, you know, is a direct reflect on us. I think I'm saying that correctly. Yeah. Meaning, if you don't get the response that you're looking for, and it could be kind of a, we basically, we jumped down a rabbit hole. I mean, we literally jumped down a rabbit hole more than we need to. We automatically think that this person is, you know, second guessing us. Um, they are, they have it in for us. They hate us, this, that, or another. And it's our imaginations almost running away from us, creating a whole nother situation that actually even exists. Does that make sense? Yes, it makes excellent sense, Ross, because we are creating a movie in our minds based on old conditioning. And what happens to the brain is the brain doesn't know whether it's actually something's actually happening or it's a movie. So if you think I'm angry with you because I'm frowning, you're producing the stress hormone cortisol as if I actually am angry with you. It's sort of like watching a movie. You know when your heart starts to beat when you're watching a movie where there's a lot of drama or action yeah. in it? You know, because your brain thinks you're in the movie. And that's what happens when we talk to ourselves that way. When we misperceive, we, when, we, when we distort what is really happening, we release the stress hormone cortisol and we're off to the races and we really are hurting our physiology, our body and our brain in dramatic ways. So whenever perceptions are distorted, stress becomes a likely byproduct. That's what happens. And that's what I meant by not putting old faces on new faces. We have to learn where our biases are about ourselves and about others. You know, nobody grew up in a completely objective family. I certainly didn't. I assume you didn't. I mean, we all grew up around environments where people had prejudices and biases. Maybe they had biases toward us or toward others. So we grow up with, we, we grow up with sort of a novel in our head, you know. We, we, and people ask me, well, how do you get rid of that, that, that way that you look at the world? Well, first of all, accepting that we all grow up with biases, okay? But, you know, early in life we create a novel. It's a fictitious story about ourselves that we wrote based on what we think is being reflected back to us from those around us as if we're looking at ourselves in a mirror. But if the mirrors you're looking into are cracked or inaccurate, you get a distorted view of yourself as if you're looking in a circus mirror. So then you create an inaccurate story about yourself, and the story sets the stage for rational belief systems. And we can't change that story alone. We're all too subjective. That's why in this book I have a take action uh, phase at the end of each chapter, which I ask people to answer certain questions about whatever we're talking about, empathy or empathic listening or prejudice. And then I ask you to take action, do something with it. Take, take a positive action and share your learning with someone close to you because change is an active process. You have to put it into action. And we can't just sit there and think about it. We have to do something with it. But again, it's knowing and accepting. Every human being grows up with biases. We all create a novel about ourselves and other people. We have to make that fiction story nonfiction. We have to rewrite the book. We have to re-edit what we thought. Look how many people grow up thinking they're stupid, they're unintelligent, they're unattractive. I mean, you know, I was told I wasn't college material. You know, I should go in the Army of the Marines. I mean, I'm sure you were told certain things as well. I grew up with, you know, people around me with addictions and drug problems and alcoholism. And, I mean, I never even knew anybody who went to college except a teacher. So, I mean, when you're in a world like that, you tend to feel less than until you realize, until some people help you realize that you're not less than. Maybe you've never been given a chance. Maybe you've never had anyone know how to tease out your potential. And so every one of us has to rewrite our story. And I know people, and I know you know people in your center and your own life that have had horrendous histories, but they've overcome them with the help of other people who give rational, reasonable feedback to them so that they can rewrite the story and know truly who they are today. Is it, is it rewriting a story or is it accepting what your story was and creating just a new story? So... Basically, because I always tell people, it's like, you know what, your past life was, is, is what it was, whether it was, you know, a wedding day or you, something horrible happened to you as a child. I always tell people, it's like, don't rewrite it. Don't, don't change it. It is what it was. It's a chapter in your life. You might not have wanted it, but now it's time to write a new chapter. Um, to move on to the next thing, we keep. It's important to keep our past and learn from that. 
Um, and so we can grow up basically knowing what not to do. Um, what, uh, what is the, how do you maintain this? How do you maintain this positive thought process? Well, I mean, it's again, one thing to I, I, get again, it, I, I, but to I, maintain I'm, I'm it. Not saying, I'm not saying devoid, uh, you know, recreate your past or, or, or try, to re, try to erase it. We all have histories. What I'm trying to say is we have to unlearn the untruths. I mean, I wouldn't be okay, sitting here you. talking to you if I list, I did a postgraduate year of my senior year of high school. I was told that I wasn't college material. I shouldn't go to college and only flunk out and embarrass myself and my family. So that wasn't true. It's nice to talk but, to you, doctor. <laughs> you know, I mean, it wasn't true, right? But It's unbelievable. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I gave a talk at Harvard once, and I went into the men's room before the talk, and I looked in the mirror, and I said, are you kidding me? This is unbelievable. I mean, I barely got out of high school, and here I am giving a talk at Harvard. So what I was told about myself was not true. That's what I mean, Ross. I agree with you. We can't, we can't change our history, but we need to reorganize the, the biases that were prejudiced about ourselves and other people. If you grew up thinking a certain something about another group of people, look at all the prejudice about alcoholics and, and addicts. That's not true. Alcoholics don't have willpower. I mean, all that garbage that people have heard for years and years and years, that's not true. It's not that you don't have willpower. It's a disease. It's a neurological addiction. When people realize that it, it's, 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 not always, it's not always what you hear about certain things that's accurate, you have to find out the facts. You may have grown up your whole life thinking that you just don't have willpower. When, and then one day you find out in a treatment center like yours, that's not true. That's not why you're an addict. You probably didn't have the skills to know how to pursue happiness, as we were talking about before, in a healthy way. You went down a side street. You went down the only street you knew how to get to. You didn't know any other way. It's understandable. When you look at people's history, I, I mean, everyone I know who's an addict, when I hear their history, I understand why it happened. It's not because they're weak or inferior. And some of them are very bright. But it's not because they're less than. It's because they didn't have the tools and were not giving the tools to know how to follow that path to happiness and contentment. And what I'm trying to do in this book is say, look, you can recreate that. You can learn that. Anyone can learn empathy. We're all born with the empathy gene. But if you don't use it, it atrophies like an unused muscle. It's like people didn't exercise for 30 years. They don't have, they're not very fit. And if you don't practice empathy and discipline yourself about how to use it, how to slow down so that you can use the thinking part of the brain, not the emotional part that where all the old conditioning is, is located. You slow down and you look at that person who's frowning and you say, you know what? I used to think when people frowned, they were angry with me, but I really don't know why that person's frowning. Maybe I ought to ask them, hey, Joe, are you okay? Oh, gee, I got a migraine today. And then you feel better. You have the right yeah. to ask the question. And I think it's important too that people really, you know, one thing I don't, I don't see people doing very much is kind of remembering, you know, the successes, the battles they've won, yeah. um, in the sense to learn from that. So it's like, you know, you ask Joe, Joe, what's going on? I, I know this is a, a, a small example, but it, you just brought it up, so I'll run with it. It's, you know. Hey, Joe, what's going on? Oh, I have a headache. Oh, and then you compute in your head. Oh, Joe's not mad at me. He's not frowning at me. He's, he's got a migraine. He, he feels horrible. Um, and to learn from those type of a things, because it's, it's one of those things. It's so, this is common sense, but it's so difficult to hold on to this common sense and to reuse it over and over. I mean, yes. it is so hard. I mean, for me, I was supposed to be, I, I was going to be left for dead if, if I didn't get my act together. My family's like, you're done. This is done. I've had plenty of people tell me, you will not start a treatment center. You do not have the brain power. You did not graduate college. Um, you didn't do this. You didn't do that, blah, 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 blah. And then I go, I build this place, the treatment center I'm in. I think it's, I think it's pretty great. I think my clients like it a lot. Um, and so on and so forth. And yet, my head at times does not see the successes that I've had to, yeah. you know, to help me with, you know, future successes that I'm going to soon have to have to hopefully deal with. Yeah. You know, it's always I'm still cutting myself short. It just shows how how deep this runs. This isn't like flipping on a light switch that 
you know, we're going to start thinking everything's different now. Um, right, right. It, it, it's, not a, it's not an intellectual change, Ross, and I think that's what you're getting at. It's an emotional issue. It's, it's recorded in the deep emotional part of the brain. You know, if you ask another human being, do you remember every time you were complimented? They, most people, 99% say no. Do you remember every time somebody said something really critical of you? And people can quote something that happened in the second grade. Our brains are programmed that way. And it, then it shapes our view of ourselves, and it shapes the way we talk to ourselves. That's why That's I have another best. chapter in the book on the self-voice. Because if your inner voice is critical, that inner voice is critical, you're, you're, you're very likely to internalize stress and misperceive. So it's a lot of practice. It's a lot of work. That's why I wrote this book to be a workbook, and I ask people to read it very slowly. You know, one chapter at a time, and then share it with somebody close to you. Share what you're learning. Because it takes time to unlearn some of the ways that we misperceive, slow ourselves down, so that we can see the truth, not only about other people, but about ourselves. I think that's such a great example you just gave. I used to work for a clothing company, and the owner of the place, a very, very large clothing company, and um, I worked in one of the stores when I lived in Chicago, and the owner of it said, he said the most, and I still use it today in business, people that come in here, um, make sure that they're always, always happy. Almost give them whatever they want, because people will leave here. A happy customer might tell five people that they were treated well and a dissatisfied person will literally go out of their way to tell 20 people that they got screwed that's right um, i think that is just brilliant how you said that what what is the difference um um to, 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 what is the difference between empathy and sympathy we we've got a couple we've got a couple minutes before we have to go to break so i just a little dibble dabble in it and okay. then we will in our next segment let's really get into it um okay. just kind of lead us off into it well sympathy rushes into console ross it rushes in right away it's a quick reaction without knowing the facts it's based on identification meaning if my if i had if my dad passed away last year and i heard your and i hear someone in your family passed away, I said immediately, oh, you must be devastated. But I don't know if you're devastated because I don't know the facts. Empathy slows down the process to find out the facts because empathy is very truth-oriented. So empathy often asks open-ended questions. What was your relationship like with your parent or your friend? So that you find out the facts. One of my clients, you know, because she had a terrible experience with the death of her father, and she moved into this neighborhood where she heard one of her one of her neighbor's father died. She rushed over there with flowers and said, "Oh my God!" She rang the doorbell and said, "Oh my God, you must be devastated because your father passed away." I was devastated when my father died, and the woman looked at her and she said, "I appreciate your compassion, but my father left us when I was two years old. I never saw my father. I wouldn't know him. I wouldn't know what he looked like if I saw him walking down the street. So I'm not devastated." So the first reaction was one of sympathy, meaning she assumed what the other person felt. But in fact, the other person didn't feel anything close to her. Empathy would have slowed down that process and asked, you know, what was your experience like with your dad? Were you close with your dad? Were you not close? Because the experience actually was different. Got it. Got it. We're going to do a quick break right now, and then I want to get more into kind of dissecting both of these. Um, thanks for joining us today, guys. We're talking with Dr. Um, uh, Dr. Arthur Sierra McCauley. Uh, he has got a brand new book called The Stress Solution. You can find it on Amazon. You can also go to his website, um, which is well, balanceyoursuccess.com. Uh, we'll be right back after a quick break. Thanks for joining us. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Getting sober isn't just about not drinking and not doing drugs. It's a way of life. At Rebos, we have a team of talented professionals, each with their own clear and distinct message to walk clients from the darkest point in their lives out into the light. Rebos offers a carefully curated selection of groups and workshops in addition to a minimum of six individual sessions per week. At Rebos, we believe there are no cookie-cutter clients, and we meet every individual where they are at today. It's not a Rebos program. It's your program. Our team wants to help as many people as possible become who they want to be. And if you don't know who you want to be, we'll help you. 
Visit Rebostreatment.com to learn more about the Rebos Treatment Center. That's R-E-B-O-S Treatment.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to the power to create yourself with ross ramin to find out more about ross and the program visit the rebos treatment center website at rebostreatment.com now back to the power to create yourself hi this is ross ramin welcome back to the show we're coming to you from the rebos treatment center in los angeles california um, you can find out more information about our site at rebos, R-E-B-O-S, treatment.com. We are on the phone today with, um, who's coming to us from Boston, is Dr. Arthur uh, Sierra McCauley. He has written a book, um, multiple books, actually. Um, you can find them all on Amazon. Um, his newest book is called The Stress Solution. And before we went to break, uh, Doctor, we were talking about the difference between empathy and sympathy. Yes. And you had said um, empathy is finding the facts uh, about a situation, and sympathy mm-hmm. is consoling a situation or a person. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Yes, sympathy, Ross, is rushing, rushing in very quickly, assuming that because of my experience, your experience is the same. So sympathy as opposed to empathy occurs when we identify with another person's experience, even if we don't know if our experiences are similar. So it's sort of like that example I gave about the woman assuming that her neighbor had the same experience as she did when her father died, because they both had lost their fathers, but the neighbor never knew her father. But, but my patient, my client, assumed that the neighbor was devastated, and she wasn't, because, of course, she never even knew her dad. So that was a sympathetic reaction. An empathic reaction is a slower, a slower one that really slows down enough that you find out the facts of the situation. It's always truth-oriented. And empathy is, is really something that allows us to listen, what I call holy listening. It's, it's listening another person's soul into a position of discovery and disclosure. It really goes beyond the surface and finds out what the truth is. It, we, we, we don't react quickly. We, we start to ask open-ended questions to find out through curiosity and, and a real genuine interest what it is that this person has experienced. And maybe it's quite different than mine. And certainly we went through a lot of this in this presidential race, didn't we? I mean, people were screaming at each other because one was voting on one side, one was voting on another. I mean, I have had couples that threatened to divorce if, if one voted one way or uh, that was opposed to the other. And really without slowing the, the interaction down enough to find out why are you thinking this way? Why are you thinking a different way? And, and the, only, the only way we can meet in the middle, and right now we're in the middle of a very divided country, but the only way we can mend the rift is to listen to each other, to understand each other, to slow the process down. You know, when the, the environment is too hot or too cold, empathy goes out the window. Too cold, I mean, when people just withdraw and they refuse to talk, or too hot when people start to yell and scream, and, and then they start to generalize. All men are this way. All women are that way. Alcoholics always do this. Drug addicts always do that. You're from Kansas. All Kansas people are like that. You know, all those generalizations that really have little meaning because they're not taking in the unique person in front of you. So empathy really is the key to understanding and the key to really knowing another person. It's all also the key to maintaining intimacy and in personal relationships. And, you know, Harvard Business School did a study not long ago of executives throughout the, throughout the country and, and major corporations. And what did they find out? They found out that EQ counted three times more than IQ. That the people who had empathy, the managers, the directors, the, the company owners who had empathy, had, the, had staff and people who really loved working for them because they felt listened to. They felt understood. And the business schools of Harvard and Stanford did a long-term study to figure out why their MBAs were not successful in the corporate world, and they found out two things by interviewing thousands of employees. They didn't, they didn't sense other people's needs, and they didn't make other people feel heard. And that's empathy. 
So when you have empathy and when you have an expansive degree of empathy, you're more successful in business, in work, and in your family relationships. You're more successful as a parent. You're also more successful at understanding yourself. This might sound a little, you know, I've been... I dare say this, but I'm going to say it because it's just, it's on my mind. You know, after listening to you for, you know, over the course of this hour, you know, a lot of thoughts that I've had in my life are in just in my life and just how I see society in general. This election has been, has been great. This just the last few years that of just everything that goes on in the world. Are we shallow? I mean, seriously, are we just, I mean, are we as a world, as a society, as however you want to describe it, are we just so shallow? Are we just so uncaring about what other people have the right to think, the right to, you know, why are everybody is constantly making every single thing about themselves? They, yeah. You know, I always say when my clients come in here, it's like you have no peripheral vision. You have to open up your eyes. And I'm not trying to say that to sound negative to society. I'm more or less saying it as like, hey, guys, take a look at what's going on here. You know, it's like, it's like, you know, give the guy who just got elected president a shot. Just give him a shot. I get it. You don't like him. You want to throw darts at him, this and that. But like, you know what? He is what it is. You know, and it's like, it just seems like people are so like into themselves, so shallow. You see all this media, like uh, social media, it's all, everything is designed nowadays to do exactly the opposite of what your book is saying. And which is scary. It's like, you know, my wife said to me this morning, she was watching uh, different news shows and she said to me, Everything that we're hearing goes against everything that you've stood for for 40 years in your practice. And, and yes, it's true. Have we become more shallow? Yes. Have we become more narcissistic and self-absorbed? Yes. Are we less empathic? Yes. Are we more prejudiced? Yes. And, you know, right in your home state, UC Berkeley, they've done a number of studies that show as the upper class, as people rise up the ladder economically, what happens? They're more likely to cheat. They're more unethical. They're more greedy and less empathic. So it's true. Now, is that everybody? No. But in a very fast-paced society, especially one that values appearance and materialism to the nth degree, then we sacrifice integrity and character. You know, we used to be a nation of integrity and character, and many people still are, but we lost, we've lost our way with glorifying appearance and materialism. So if someone is rich and they look good, we idealize them. We idealize movie stars. We idealize athletes. We don't even know who they are personally. We don't even know what type of people they are. So we have to learn. When you learn to slow down your reactions and get the facts, instead of digesting every news bite that you hear every day, because we're bombarded with them. People come in to me and they say, oh, there was a study on TV this morning, said, you know, uh, vitamin C cures this or that. And I say, where'd you get the study? Oh, well, I don't know. Oh, well, uh, my, my friend said uh, 87% of Democrats or 62% of Republicans. And I say, where did you get that information? Oh, well, my cousin Ricky, who lives in New Jersey, he's really smart. And uh, he, the guy next to him, who he works with in his cube, he told him that. I said, well, could you find out? My could cousin you ask Ricky, Ricky who, lives down by, who lives in a van down by the river, told me, and it's true. Um, it's so, it's mind-blowing. It's just like, I mean, everybody has just... It's like everybody has it out for everybody. It's it's unbelievable. It's like people get off on on proving people wrong or just proving people that they are not even proving, just wanting to be right. It's like people are just walking around with like little shanks in their hand, just constantly sticking everybody. And it's so difficult to lead. I mean, I try to, I mean, I pretty much jump out of bed every single morning. I I like it. And this sounds kind of obnoxious, but I jump out of bed like it's Christmas morning. I do. Mm -hmm. Um, by 10 o'clock, I'm pretty beat down 10 o'clock in the morning. I can be kind of beat down, but when I get up at about four 35, I do, I jump out of bed and I feel great. And I want to make a positive change on people. I, I, I think anybody could, could back me up on this. And I'm not saying this to beat my chest by any means, but just to show what I go through um, on a daily basis. It's, I literally wake up feeling like it's Christmas morning. I want to give every single person I come across the benefit of the doubt. I want to know, I mean, I know people that are in jail right now. I know one guy that's in jail right now. He literally, you know, 
he literally went after a woman with a machete, um, and he's in downtown LA jail right now. I'm I'm not friends with him. I know him, um, yeah. but I have I but I have sympathy because I know he's probably high on drugs. And tell me, is you know I have sympathy or I don't know if I, I think I'd have sympathy for him as opposed to empathy. But I know he was high on drugs. I I mean, if he was of sound mind, that's the last place he'd want to be. And I know yeah. a lot of people that want to literally string the guy up. And granted, he probably should do his time. You know, it's it is it's assault with a machete is a serious offense. Um, mm-hmm. It's I mean, it's it's attempted murder is what it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that doesn't mean that you can't just be like, you know what? I feel bad for that dude. I feel bad for that guy. You know, he's he's got it. He's got a man up. He's got to do his time. He's got to do what it is. Um, just because you were high in drugs doesn't mean you get, you know, you you get a free skate, you know, to go away. But yeah. it's just like, you know, it's just people want to like, not only should he go to way to jail, we should stick, you know, electric wires up to his, you know what? And we should just, I mean, this guy should be tortured forever. Um, and it's like, you take away a man's livelihood, you take away a man's money, he's going to prison probably for the rest of his life. I mean, do we have to still kick him while he's down? It's like, people are just, they want it. Um, they just, it's just, you know, it's just. When people realize, Ross, and I, and I agree, I agree with, with you, I mean, I, I agree in the sense that I'm equally as concerned with where we're going as a society, but we need to always remember the greatest critic is, is the person with the greatest insecurity. It's just like the person with the greatest temper. They have the greatest insecurity. So people who are criticizing others are, are taking the offense first because they're, they're insecure. People who are very at ease with themselves, people who are living a balanced life, they have no interest in doing that. They have no interest in judging. It's like people who have suffered for a long time. They understand, and, and they, they think of Thanksgiving. I mean, uh, I wrote on Facebook today, I mean, you know, you woke up today, and, and think of the people waking up in Mosul and, and Aleppo, and, and thank God that you had, had the gift of grace to be born in this country. I mean, those people are being bombed every day, and we, we get kind of spoiled in our way that we can say whatever we want without thinking. We're not very tactful in our speech. But a lot of people are, and a lot of people recognize that we're moving too fast. We're moving too fast, and when we move too fast, we produce too much stress, too much cortisol, and we don't, we're not as thoughtful about other people. We're not as caring as we want to be. And everybody wants to be loved. Everybody really wants to slow down. But we have to develop, we got, we got to get a dimmer switch in our brains. You know, most people don't know how to turn the dial down. And that's what empathy does. That's, it slows us down to really listen to other people. And when you do that, you can make a friend with anybody anywhere. Because human beings love to be listened to. When they know you're really listening, that you're really curious about who they are, almost anybody will talk to you. I don't know how many times I've been told this person won't talk to you, that person won't talk to you. But when you listen, when you truly listen, and you're not just reloading, as one of my patients in recovery, he says, oh, I'm always re-, my wife tells me I'm always reloading. I said, because when I'm talking, I can tell you can't wait to talk. Slow down and actually hear what I'm saying. And he says, yeah. you know, when we, when we do that, I said, I notice by the end of our sessions and the end of my group sessions, he says, it's the calmest I feel all week. I said that's because we're encouraging you to slow down and listen. And what's happening, he's relaxing his whole physiology, his whole brain chemistry. He's producing feel-good chemicals. But then when you go back to your normal day and you speed up again, you produce the opposite brain chemicals. That's why I call it the soul's pharmacy. We have the capacity to change our own brains without any drug or any substance that we have to ingest. We can do it ourselves when we learn how to react more slowly, more thoughtfully, and more empathically. Yeah. It's amazing that people are so... People are... Yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. I was just thinking it's just amazing that people are... They're trying to rid themselves of old negative stories. They're trying to... People know that this isn't correct. This isn't right thinking. You know, people don't want to speak badly. I mean, I hear about it all the time, every day. It's like, I don't want to have these bad thoughts about somebody. I don't want to have these bad thoughts about myself. And it's really just amazing that people are willing to go. You know, I always say it's kind of like weight loss. People are looking themselves in the mirror, and they're literally 100 pounds overweight. Like, I need to lose this weight, and I need to do this. But they're not fully accepting it in the sense of, 
I always say when you fully accept accept a situation that you need to change, you are literally changing it. You are, you know, if you're trying to lose weight, you're shopping right. You're going to the gym right. You're staying on a schedule. When you're trying to change the way you think, the way that you act towards people, it's I mean, it's one thing knowing that you have to do this, but actually like walking the walk, so to say. Yeah. Um, and people get frustrated. And then what do they do? They go to their pharmacist, they go to the, you know, their psychiatrist, their doctor, and they want to go get a magic pill to make it go away better, you know, to bring down this wall. If my stress levels are down, then I just won't even care about yeah. what anybody else has to say. So it's, it's, it's a real, um, it's a real torture. But doctor, I, I can't thank you enough for being on our show. Um, this just flew by for me. There's so much more I could go into with you. This is just common sense stuff that will make us a better society. You know, I mm-hmm. thought you were going to come on this show today and, you know, it's just kind of a neat new help, self-help book. But folks, this is common sense stuff that we need as a society just to get along better and to really think of our partners, our kids, our husbands, our wives, our employees, our coworkers, you know, just to really, you know, listen to people, slow it yeah. down a little bit. Yeah. Stop yeah. having other people run our lives. Um, so, uh, Dr. Arthur Sarah McCauley, he is, um, he's the author of the new book, Stress Solutions. Uh, you can find it on Amazon. His website is balanceyoursuccess.com. He's got multiple other books on a variety of topics. Um, I highly recommend you check it out. Uh, doctor, I can't thank you enough for showing up today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ross. It was, it was great to interact with you. I, I think we're, we're on the same wavelength, and I really enjoyed it very, very much. I appreciate that. Thanks for joining us. If you want to hear more about the Rebos program, you can go to rebostreatment.com. My name is Ross Fermin, and I can't thank you guys enough for joining us today, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us this week on The Power to Create Yourself. We hope to have you tune in again next Tuesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, for another edition with Ross Ramin on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have an enlightening week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.